Sophomore Time contains graphic and explicit content and may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. What's your favorite scary movie? Why folks tune in, right? <laughs> like it's almost as if <laughs> it's almost as if your cats are possessed, kind of like the oh, movie no. that we're watching, The Conjuring. Yeah, our movie. Yeah, our movie this week is James Wan's The Conjuring. Uh, should be noted as one of his few uh, team ups. That Lee Winnell, that he did not include Lee Winnell. Uh, he did not write this, and yet he, everyone keeps telling him that they, how much they love The Conjuring. Like when he met Quentin Tarantino, he's like, "I love The Conjuring." <laughs> <laughs> so poor Lee. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this gets confused a lot with Insidious, I think, because it's you know, James Wan and Patrick Wilson and Possession and shit. Uh, but yeah. they're they're both good. They're both. <laughs> This one, uh, based on re- real life events and a real life couple of Lorraine Warren. This is kind of this episode is kind of our dedication to the recently passed away Lorraine Warren. Uh, pour one the fuck out for her. Uh, yeah, they were uh, demonologists. There's lots of books written about their cases and everything. And this this one kind of blew open the the. I don't know what he's calling it, but like the James Wan cinematic universe of, of horror shit. Because, uh, you know, this one starts off. This one introduces the Annabelle doll, uh, and that became a franchise. And then Conjuring 2 uh, introduced the Nun that became a spinoff, all this stuff. Uh, James Wan's just very good at, like, adding things last minute that become their own franchise in itself. He's like, oh, like his mind. Yeah, so this one... It, it, Isn't the, uh, the, the Thin Man uh, also going to be a movie? The Thin Man? You mean the Crooked Man? Yeah. Crooked Man, sorry. A Thin Man's already a movie. I was thinking of that. I don't know, probably. There's probably going to be a spinoff about, like, the little boy in the mirror or something in this. It's going to be a spinoff of, like, The Hands. Like, I... <laughs> it's going to keep going. Uh... I did all. I, I just know the Warrens are appearing in Annabelle three, so that's dope. But uh, uh, so for those who haven't seen it, a little little intros. Uh, so yeah, but this uh, it's like a typical haunted house story. You know, family moves into a new house and shit starts happening, and then they call in at Lorraine Warren to check it out. And they're like, oh yeah, shit's happening here. 
and a, a, <laughs> a demon clenches onto Lily Taylor's character, the mom. Okay, and we're back. Uh, demons interrupted our feed because we were talking the truth. Uh, but hello, so so run down to the Conjuring. Uh, it's a typical haunted ha- house, you know, scenario of a family moving in to a new house and shit starts happening and the dog dies, of course. Well, the dog always fucking dies. <laughs> and so they call in famous demonologist Ed Lorraine Warren. Uh, to investigate, and they're like, oh yeah, something's definitely happening here, and eventually the the demon uh, possesses Julie Taylor's character, the mom, and Carolyn, and there's a bomb-ass uh, exorcism at the end. That's shit. Like, every time I watch this, I forget how fucking intense that exorcism is. Like, it gets, it gets real. Uh, love it. Love that for them. <laughs> it's honestly one of my favorite movies. I think, at least horror-wise, because it's just so uh, simplistic, but it's really effective. And it's- like, I wish I was better at explaining, like, how... Like, Jennifer is just so fucking good, and, like, that's why all of the spin-offs of this and the stuff that he produces, uh, you can tell that they're trying to emulate him, whether by... I don't know if, like, they're being instructed you or if they're just trying to because he's so good at this, but it's just... It's never the same. Like you, I just saw La Llorona, and you can tell that they they were trying to be like this. There's even like a shot uh, of like a family going through the house that is exactly like in The Conjuring when the it's that time of the season is playing, and I'm like, they're just trying to be The Conjuring. Uh, yeah, there's lots of like like now iconic scenes in this stuff, like the hide and clap scene. I remember like the audience like losing it at that, and. Then, there was like a really funny gif going around at the time because this came around the time as uh, Lady Gaga's song "Applause" and so someone, some genius, made a gif of the clap, but it was like her face of the applause cover appearing, and I think about it every time. <laughs> but yeah, I think like I guess what sets this apart, like it's like it's just a solid, well done you know, movie like this, but I think that the Warrens kind of help it stand out, and, like, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga's, like, chemistry is really sweet, and they're just, they seem like such a genuine couple, and, like, I would trust them with my, with my demons and my ghosts, and, like, I would, I would feel safe with them. God. I love Vera Farmiga so much. Mm -hmm. She's so good. And I absolutely love how Patrick Wilson has just become James Wan's news, like, (laughs) <laughs> like he, he said that they were filming I think Conjuring 2 when he was casting for Aquaman and I like to believe that he was just like I need a white boy and looks like looks up from his script you Patrick <laughs> wanna be or like that's how I imagine it happened <laughs> I, I need one white boy <laughs> and I got a good one <laughs> he's like he's got that theater voice he can do it get that yes get the theater boy Carnegie Mellon training woo <laughs> Yeah, like, they have a really good dynamic, and it's, like, it's both of their job, and he can, he can try to, Ed keeps trying to do the, the man thing, like, oh, I gotta keep you safe, you gotta go, and she isn't standing for that, she's like, no, I'm gonna help, like, even though she's had setbacks, and, you know, the last exorcism they had was dangerous for her, she's, like, she's like, this is what we're here to do. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely love the part where she like grabs Carolyn and says, "Like this is your daughter. It's it's the I am your mother of this movie." <laughs> God, <laughs> the power that that has. Oh. So I love it. I love her. This is such good casting too. Like all the all the actors I know. and the that play the parent family also just really really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I always just think of Ron Levinson from Office Space. But he's a he's a good uh, you know dad in this. Um, I, I love Lily Taylor. I love uh, like cause she has to go from the spectrum of like just regular mom to full on possessed, and oh, God, it's, yeah. it's terrifying. The scenes where she's possessed and her eyes are like changed, and it's just like so creepy. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, still. Oh my gosh. So I'm I'm assuming your true crime case has to do with the warrants, since yeah. this is based on the true story. Yeah, we're talking about the real Perrin family with this, uh, since it's supposed to be based off Woo. of the events of this uh, mm-hmm. family. Uh, so we can get started because they did have the right number of kids in the film. It was like all girls. Oh, that's good. Five. I have five daughters. This is like Fiddler on the Roof. God. <laughs> No, so uh, this all started in January of 1971. Uh, the Perrin family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Uh, oh and it, the haunting began, like, immediately after they moved in. Uh, everything started out really small. Uh, Carolyn would notice that the broom went missing or it seemed to move from place to place on its own. She would also hear the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen when no one was in there. And she'd also find like small piles of dirt in the center of a newly cleaned kitchen floor. So it's just, that's kind of weird. You just walk in and suddenly it's like dirt right there. Just nowhere else, just right in the middle of the floor. Uh, so she researched, allegedly, she researched the history of the home and she discovered that it had been in the same family for eight generations and that many of them had died under mysterious or horrible circumstances. Uh, several of the children in these families had drowned in a nearby lake. One was murdered and a few of them hung themselves in the attic. Uh, but the spirit that we see in the film is called Bathsheba. Uh, and you see her on top of the dresser, which is still the creepiest moment of all yeah. Like no thanks, <laughs> demon. Um, she was the worst of all of them. Uh, so Andrea Perrin, who is the oldest girl of the family, uh, she wrote a book actually describing the events that happened oh. in her house. She's the most outspoken of the family uh, to talk about this. Um, but the youngest daughter is, like, the opposite. Like, she doesn't want to talk about it at all. She doesn't want to talk to the press. Oh. Just, like, live her life and just, no thank you. Um, so she said... Did, did the youngest girl... Oh, sorry. Did the youngest daughter, like, see a, uh, an interact with a ghost like the girl yeah. does in this? Is that yeah, mentioned at all? Rory. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, Andrea Perrin said that whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house, and she resented the competition... Um, my mother posed for that position, which is probably why there was that back and forth so much between Caroline and the spirit in the house going more after her than anyone else. Uh, so there was a real person named Bathsheba Sherman who lived 
on the parents' property in the mid-1800s. She was rumored to have been a Satanist, and there was evidence that she had been involved in the death of a neighbor's child, though no trial ever took place. Uh, She was buried in a nearby Baptist cemetery in downtown Harrisville. Uh, The family experienced other spirits as well. They smelled like rotting flesh, and they would cause the the beds to rise off the floor. Andrea claims that her father would enter the basement and feel the cold, stinking presence behind him. Uh, They often stayed away from the uh, dirt-floored cellar. Uh, The heating equipment would often fail, though, and that would cause the dad, Roger, to venture down. The family lived in the farmhouse for over 10 years, um, and the Warrens made multiple trips to investigate over that span. Uh, at one point, Lorraine conducted a seance in an attempt to over contact 10 years? the spirits that were possessing the family. And during the seance, Carolyn, Caroline Perrin became possessed, speaking in tongues and rising from the ground in her chair. Oh. Uh, Andrea claims to have watched the seance like she was just like eavesdropping, just like around a corner. Uh, she saw her mother uh, oh. speaking in a voice that was not her own, uh, her chair levitating and then being thrown across the room. Uh, then after the seance, Roger kind of kicked the Warrens out because he was worried about his wife's mental stability. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, <laughs> you gotta go. Gotta go. Um, according to Andrea, the family continued to live in the house due to financial instability until they were able to move out in 1980, uh, in which yeah. the spirits were silenced and the hauntings stopped. Uh, so Lorraine Warren, the real Lorraine Warren before she passed away, she acted as a consultant Whoa. to her director, James Wan, and the rest of the crew. Uh, the entire Perrin family also put their support behind the film. Uh, they already came together to support Andrea Perrin's That's self-published good. 2011 book called, called House of Darkness, House of Light. Uh, and as said, she has been the most outspoken of the events. Um, So a little bit of history about uh, Bathsheba. She was born in Rhode Island in 1812. She married fellow Rhode Islander Judson Sherman, who was one year older than her, in Thompson, Connecticut on March 10th in 1844. Uh, They were married by Vernon Stiles, who was a local justice of the peace. She filled the the role of housewife while her husband worked as a farmer on their land. Uh, They were fairly well off, and they did have a son. His name was Hermit. Herbert L. Sherman. Uh, He was born when Bathsheba was about 37 years old in 1849. Uh, It's possible that they did have other children as well, all who did not survive past the age of seven, though there is no census records that could be found to confirm this. Uh, So there's like, it's rumored that there were other children, but no one ever recorded these down. There is no hard evidence to support that she was really a witch. Uh, it was local folklore. It was legend. So it's like Salem witch trials all over again. Oh. Uh, she lived in a neighboring. Oh, you mean it was just sexism? <laughs> I said, oh, you Probably. mean it was just sexism? Oh, she was um, really a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Good old misogyny, alive and well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, she lived in a neighboring farm in the 1800s, and suspicion grew when an infant mysteriously died in her care. Uh, when the baby was examined, it was determined that the mortal wound was caused by a large sewing needle that had been impaled at the base of the child's skull. Uh, yeah. Uh, the townspeople believed that Bathsheba sacrificed the infant as an offering to the devil, but due to, due, due to insufficient evidence, the court found that she was innocent of any wrongdoing. Uh, despite her name being legally clear, the public was, like, not convinced. 
So she died as an old woman on May 25th, 1885, roughly four years after her husband died in 1881. Uh, she lived to see her son Herbert, the farmer, like his father, marry his fiancée Anna in 1881. Uh, there was various articles online that will have you believe her body literally turned to stone when she died, or that Bathsheba died from a bizarre form of paralysis that puzzled and frightened doctors. Uh, but the basis is, again, never more than legend and local fo folklore or internet rumors. Uh, the same articles are often stating that Bathsheba had four children, all of whom died before reaching the age of four, which was like from Ancestry.com, but that's just again, rumor. <laughs> because she did have a son that lived, he got married, so uh, there is an unofficial record of their existence on a public internet family tree that lists their names as Julia being born in 1845, Edward born in 1847, and George in, eight, in 1853. Uh, it is possible that they did die before the census, the next one that was uh, supposed to be conducted, but again, no one's really sure. Uh, you can go visit the gravesite of Bathsheba Sherman. It's located in the historic cemetery across the street of the fire station and rotary in downtown Harrisville, Rhode Island. So you can go pay the respects to her if you want to. Do not come into my room to fight. To where? I'm looking at you, Charlie. <laughs> Yeah. I'm assuming that's cat. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> getting back to the connection with Bathsheba and the parents, uh, the connection to the spirit came with the suggestion of the investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Mother Caroline Perrin told Ed and Lorraine about an incident that happened a few years earlier than before they arrived. Uh, she said that she had been lying on the sofa and all of a sudden felt a piercing type of pain in her calf and the muscle began to spasm. Uh, when she examined it, she noticed a puddle of blood at the point of impact, and she like checked for anything that could have caused it, uh, but couldn't find anything around. Uh, in the daughter's book, Andrea describes the wound as a perfectly concentric circle, as if a large sewing needle had impaled her skin. Uh, the real conjuring farmhouse, often referred to by the Perrin family as the Old Ornall Estate, which is what it was known by before they uh, took over, is still standing and is located in Harrisville, Rhode Island. It's very different from the one seen in the film, but it's also pretty cool looking. Uh, the barn is also still standing and is located to the left of the house. Uh, they fell apart in hard times after a pipe burst and flooded their business, and they reluctantly sold off a significant portion of their property's 200 acres. The lot size is currently listed at eight and a half acres, and the current owners, Norma Sutcliffe and Gary Nelfrich, have no relation to the parent family. Uh, so at this current time, Nora and her, uh, her husband, Jerry, have had far less intense experiences in the farmhouse, uh, including the door banging in the front hall, sounds of people talking in another room, uh, sounds of footsteps accompanied by a door opening in another room, and her husband's chair vibrating in the study, which is really creepy if you think about it. You're just sitting there and all of a sudden your chair starts vibrating. It's like, ugh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only things that were ever visible to them were a blue light that Norma saw shoot across the bedroom and her husband once saw he saw a fog in the house. Uh, Norma stressed that she always looks at things from a scientific standpoint and that she's never jumped to conclusions over any of these minor experiences in the house. The town's former public records book is known as the Black Book, the Black Book of Bur Burville, uh, reveals that over the course of its existence, the property has been host to two suicides by hanging, one suicide by poison, uh, the rape and murder of 11-year-old Prudence Arnold by a farmhand, 
two drownings and the passing of four men who froze to death in addition to other tragic losses of life. So that is the real uh, history of the parent house uh, as seen in The Conjuring. So if there's a possibility of ghosts after all those deaths, probably. <laughs> Love so. that. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's it's I, such a wild history, honestly. It sounds like it. Your God, I do love that this. I do love that this film shows like. I mean, it it addresses that a lot of people think they're phonies or whatever, and like that's even now, like that's a debate, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're we're not here to to tell anyone what's what. We're just presenting, you know, the stories. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I was oh, I was gonna say I, I do like that they showed like um, them investigating a house and they like it's just pipes, like <laughs> like false a lot yeah. of false alarms, uh, <laughs> kind of to show the legitimacy of them in the in the movie. You know, they're not always just gonna like swindle you and be like, oh yeah, it's haunted, like. Uh, no, yeah. Like, like in, it, it, I think it really grounds them as characters in the movie, and like, you know, it's why you yeah. trust them. You you believe it's just this couple that's here that they know what they're doing and that they're gonna help you. <laughs> yeah, I think they said like a lot of like the hauntings and stuff they investigate can like for the most part be attributed to just like a house being really old or those things just yeah. you know creaking from like wind and stuff or updrafts and things like that. So that really that really helps in their like credibility as well. Yeah. You can also read about other cases in the book, uh, The Demonologist. Uh, it's really, really good. It covers a lot of the history of Ed and Lorraine Warren's uh, careers, and it includes pictures yes. of, like, the real Annabelle in, that's in their house um, and all the other uh, objects that they have collected over the years from uh, hauntings and possessions, stuff like that. It, it reads really well. It reads like a... It doesn't read like just like a textbook or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, they tell it like it's a scary story. Like you're sitting down and reading. <laughs> it's cool. And there's, uh, there's other... I've only read Demonologist, but there's other books about the Warren cases. Like they, they did so much shit over the years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also would recommend the Ghost... Uh, the Ghost Adventures episode with Annabelle because it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> 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 I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I... Like the person you mentioned in the story, like I'm pretty a pretty factual and like person and like I don't know what I believe in, but I, someone asked me if I would like ever fuck with Animal, and I'm like, mm, no, I wouldn't. Fuck I wouldn't you. take that chance. It wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> thanks. No, no thanks. Yeah. Oh, that opening is I so. Don't fuck with ghosts. Oh, I know, right? I don't know. I I. How do you feel about the change of the design? Because really it was like a raggedy and doll, basically. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, um, like, I just, I know they probably couldn't get the rights to make it look like a raggedy and doll, but at the same time, oh, true. you could probably design it to not look like something that came out of the grave from hell. That a child would not want to touch <laughs> with a 50-foot well, pole. True, maybe that's what they... And probably James Wan is obsessed with creepy dolls. That's his MO. So he probably was just like, make it fucking creepy. It's like, James, <laughs> this is a child's doll. You think a kid wants to touch this thing? James, no! 
I know. <laughs> what was your childhood like, James? No. <laughs> Australians don't fear anything. Probably fine. Um, and also the um, in the movie, uh, Ed Warren performs kind of like an exorcism, but they do state in like the books and all of the history that he's never like performed one. So that was just like a taking liberties kind of thing. Oh. Um, mm. They just need, like, a climax. Yeah, like, we gotta make it climactic and shit, so we're gonna have Ed Warren do an exorcism. Yeah, because... Um, though he only assists in them, he, or, like, is there. He doesn't ever really perform them, though. Okay. So. Yeah, I can understand that liberty taking. Because you said that, you said that it actually was just, like, over the course of, like, ten years, Warren just kept yeah. coming back. And like, yeah, still haunted. Yeah, it's still haunted. <laughs> We're, we're too broke. Still high. Cool. We're too broke. That sucks. Yeah, like, everyone that's, like, in ghost stories, why don't they just move? I'm like, that's expensive. <laughs> if, if my apartment was haunted, I'd be like, I have the lease till October. I'm not breaking it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> just gotta throw some holy water at it. Maybe that'll get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, like, because I also, like, I love to believe in, like, that the stuff that we just cannot, like, fully understand. I feel like the ghost adventures yeah. are happening. There are things in this world that we never truly understand. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also, like, <laughs> also at the same time, it's, like, probably not haunted. Probably just a really old house, and it's just making weird noises because of the wind. But, yeah. like, because I do remember, like, when I was in college, I went up there where my college was. There was, like, kind of a woods behind it, and there were, like, trails you could walk. And so I just went to one part after a class one time, and I was kind of walking up by myself through this section. That wasn't really a trail, but you could just kind of walk up because it was kind of like a clearing through these trees. And I was, like, halfway through there, and I, like, looked over somewhere, and I saw, like, this really tall thing disappear behind a tree, and I was like, no, thank you. And I booked it back to my car. I was like, it's not <laughs> nope. a bear. I don't know what the fuck that was, but I ain't gonna fuck with it. So I was, like, out of there. Oh, my <laughs> I God. I never went back. No. <laughs> so I guess stay away. <laughs> I was like, I could feel the, the hairs on the back God. of my neck yeah, standing I up. I was like, that's not good. I should probably go. I'm honestly so jealous of people that have had like legitimate ghost sightings because I want that's that, I, all of this is fascinating to me. But I think the only thing that would make me actually like truly believe something yeah. is if I saw it myself and I haven't. And I feel like everyone else and their mother has seen a ghost with me, and I'm just like waiting Where's on my the side ghost? of the lines. <laughs> Where's my ghost? The only cre- the creepiest thing that happened is like one time I was in a living in a big five bedroom with a bunch of people and. I heard, I thought I heard, uh, I heard my roommate saying my name, oh. but no one else was home. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, texted them, like, did you come back or something? They're like, no, we're all at the store. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, I guess that yeah, happened. Like, there was also, um, I can't, I don't really know quite for sure if it, like, truly happened or if I just, like, dreamt it happened. Uh, but for the most part, like, when my parents uh-huh. are home, my cats sleep with them. And I have my door closed. And, like, once or twice I've woken up, like, I've had cats before this, and it's, I've lived in the same house for ages, and I've had, like, the feeling of, like, cats walking on my bed, and I'll look up, and there's nothing there, and I'm just like, okay, I hope I'm dreaming, and I go back to sleep. Ooh. <laughs> ghost cat's my ghost, ghost cat! cat. She's back. She's living in the house. 
like that's all I've ever felt. I've never felt anything else though, so it's like really, yeah. really weird. But I never felt like scary. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh okay, and then I just would like go back to sleep. Um, so I'm like, either this was a dream within a dream, or I really felt that, but I'm never quite sure. Like my mom says that she's felt that before when she was younger because she had cats in her house. Uh, and she said she used to feel that, so I'm like, great, I inherited that from my mom. <laughs> Cats haunting me. <laughs> maybe it's just, maybe it's just like a kind of like maybe. phantom limb feeling you feel, like you're just used yeah. to having cats there, just like, so you feel so it. So used to walking onto my bed, I just know. like I expect it, and it's like, nope, not there. <laughs> it's the pipes. It's the pipes. It's the, it's the pipes the are on my bed. Um. So, oh yeah, we yeah. gotta get to the part as is the Conjuring a gay movie? Shit. Oh no, <laughs> not really. That's gonna be a short segment, folks. This is like very, a very straight movie, but I allow it because Edward and Warren are like straight rights. Like maybe they do have rights. <laughs> That's how I feel. Only really valid hetero people like all my parents. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they're yeah. The only thing I can say is that the uh, the, the cop is, yeah. is he a cop? That guy that comes, he looks like he's in like a seventies gay porno, <laughs> so and so I like wrote that down. I'm like, check. <laughs> <laughs> so shut that down. But yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty straight movie. We, yeah. we allow it though, because we like the Warrens, and this whole episode is to pour one out for Lorraine Warren, so we respect <laughs> her decision to be straight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Lorraine, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna get haunted after she's this. Gonna something I've said too much. Like she's something gonna be is gonna like, haunt you my ass. So. <laughs> I heard you were talking shit about the straight. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I keep saying I'm gonna hold a. <laughs> A seance for Tony Curtis, so that's probably <laughs> gonna come back and bite me in the ass. It's gonna be Lorraine Warren one of these days. Kick your ass. It's gonna be Lorraine be like, why are you trying of all people? Why? Why are you trying to reach <laughs> him? And I'm like, listen, Lorraine. <laughs> I can't explain it. <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't watched The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2, which was actually like the first horror movie that I watched where I was kinda like, oh, I'm kinda getting into this. Horror movie shtick. I saw The Conjuring 2 before I saw oh, the original Conjuring movie. Hey, maybe yeah. back then. Um, yeah, my friend, my friend in oh. England reacted to it, and I was like, alright, I'll go see this movie, and yeah, I was you... like, oh, I kind of dig it, and so that's how I got into it. So, go Conjuring 2. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. I love Conjuring 2, because that's when, like, I, uh, that's, that's when, like, James Wan is, like, fully just, like, I'm the master of horror, and I can, like, end my movie, my horror movie, on, like, a couple dancing yes. to an Elvis song, and fuck yeah. y'all, and, like, it works. Yeah, the And that's when Patrick Wilson finally sings in one of his movies. It took him, God. took him four movies. So yeah, track that down. I know the first one on Netflix, yeah, I don't know about the second one, but it's worth tracking down. And... And if you ever meet Leeuwenel, please don't tell him you love The Conjuring, because he had nothing to say. <laughs> the poor man. People keep telling him that they love The Conjuring. He's okay now. <laughs> well, I guess he's doing okay now. 
<laughs> Invisible, <laughs> Invisible Man in theaters, March 13th, 2020. It's like not even going to really be like, it's, right. so it's going to be different because it's like more revolved around like the women characters in the film. His mind. Yeah, his mind. <laughs> He reframed this story called The Invisible Man and made it about women. And uh, <laughs> the power that. So, yeah. So, yes. Alright, folks. Right. So, I, I think that go. about does it. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go see Johnny Dangerously at the new Beverly. Yes. So, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so as, as, as you use, don't forget to. Uh, if you like us, don't tell your friends about us. If you don't like us, don't say shit. Um, rate, <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Tell us anything you like about the show. Uh, and we'll see you next week. All right? Yeah. Bye. Bye.